Hello, dreamers, and welcome back to another episode of the Bringing It Home Show, the official podcast of the Field of Dreams movie site, the original movie site of the Field of Dreams, the 1989 baseball classic. Welcome back. Roman Weinberg here, Director of Operations for the Field of Dreams movie site, usually joined by our co-host and social media coordinator, Tucker LaBelle. However, he is in Alaska enjoying a wonderful vacation hot off the heels of graduating college, and he currently is in the process of earning his master's, so congratulations. Tucker, my friend, well-deserved. Enjoy Alaska, and I can handle it from here. Uh, Miss you, though. So we're really excited because we have a special guest who has just been enthralled in the game of baseball uh, and really mesmerized by the game since his early childhood, and at the age of 12 was able to obtain his first Major League Baseball at a game and was gifted it by a player and that has uh, captured his attention and got him hooked right away. So learn all about his story and more here on the Bringing It Home show, special guest Zach Hample. Dreamers, we are here with a baseball legend and fan uh, he might not call himself a legend but he is a legendary fan out there um, he has captured the 3,000th career hit of Alex Rodriguez and Mike Trout's first career home run among any others he has the largest collection of baseballs out there in mankind Mr. Zach Hample. Zach welcome to the bringing it home show how are you my friend? I am great. Thank you for the nice intro. And it's, it's great to be on with you. So the question that first comes to mind, obviously, is how? I mean, how did you fall in love with the game first? But how did you get into the hobby of uh, collecting baseballs? And at what point did you say, okay, this is going to be my thing. I am going to be the world record holder for the largest <laughs> collection of baseballs. I got hooked on baseball just like a zillion other kids out there. And I remember watching games when I was maybe starting when I was four or five and I saw fans coming up with baseballs on TV and they'd be celebrating like it was the best moment ever. And that left some kind of impression on me. Now, I don't know why it affected me more than it affected anybody else out there who saw the same thing when they were little kids, but I was dying to catch a ball. Went to my first game when I was six at the old Yankee stadium. I grew up in New York, still live there. But I didn't get a baseball till I was 12. So there were six years of going home empty-handed, which really sucked. I know how that feels. And even my first ball was just a toss-up during batting practice at Shea Stadium. But that just kicked something off in my young little lizard brain. And I just went nuts for it. And I wanted to go to games all the time and try to catch balls. And it was very slow going at first because how do you convince your non-baseball-loving parents to show up two hours before the game even begins. So it took me a while before I could really start going to games on my own, but then my collection took off. Awesome. Awesome. At what point, um, probably not officially, but at what point did you become Zach Hample with the largest collection out there? How long did it take you to collect? Well, I, I got my first ball 12. when I was 12. Yep. I got my hundredth ball when I was 14, my thousandth ball when I was 18, um, my 10,000th ball when I was 39. Wow. If I'm doing the math right. Yeah. Okay. 
I was. But you know what really, uh, I guess, put me on the map, if you want to look at it that way, was when my first book came out. And I was 19 when I wrote it and 21 and still in college when it came out. And it was called How to Snag Major League Baseballs. And prior to that, you know, I had done a few teeny little interviews around when I got my thousandth ball. There was a little bit of media. I did a radio interview over the phone in Detroit. There was a magazine article that was written. And I thought that was the coolest thing. But still, even then, and especially when I was younger, you know, 12, 13, 14, starting to do this, nobody ever wanted to hear me talk about baseball. It was just like, oh my God, here goes Zach again, talking about this stupid, you know, hobby, like whatever he's obsessed, just shut up already. And then suddenly I had a book come out and the media really got interested in me that summer. And for the first time in my life, people wanted me to talk about baseball. And that was just the coolest thing. I had a real tough time making friends when I was younger. By the time the book came out, I was in college, had a bunch of friends. And then on top of that, people wanted to hear me talk about it. So it was really cool. And I guess that's when I became Zach Campbell, you know, but there's just been a, a lot of things over the years, whether it was certain national TV interviews I did or certain milestone home run balls that I caught. And, you know, now doing the whole YouTube thing, which has really blown things up more than I ever could have dreamed. So who, who even knows what's next? Is there going to be like a next even bigger thing? I have no idea, but I'm just having a ton of fun with it for right now. So it's funny that you mentioned YouTube and technology because, you know, it was 30, over 30 years ago when you first started collecting and technology has grown vastly. Uh, that's a huge understatement. <laughs> but for you and your following out there, I mean, you have over 120,000 followers on Instagram. You have 614,000 subscribers on YouTube. You have just this enormous following now, and it's really erupted. How did that change the game for you? And at what point did you know that you had something? I knew I had something, I would say early in the 2016 season. I mean, I always had something because I, I had written some books about it even before the YouTube stuff. I was writing full-time for minorleaguebaseball.com, not earning a lot of money there, but you know, it's like, I had my at MLB.com email address and I was like in baseball and it was cool. So that, I mean, there were, there were definitely ways that I supported myself full time working in baseball, but yeah, things really took off when I snagged a rods 3000 hit in 2015. And I had done a few YouTube videos prior to that, but my channel wasn't monetized. It wasn't intended to be a career. It was just another way that I could, reach people and share my stories. I wrote a blog very regularly for almost a decade, which I never got paid for. And sure, there were certain professional things that came out of it. A lot of the interviews that I did, the reporters or the media outlets discovered me through the blog, and then that would lead to other things, but I never got paid for that. And I saw YouTube as the same kind of thing early on. But when I did a few more videos in the 2016 season, still sort of riding wave of the A-Rod thing, they started taking off, or at least for me at the time, they started taking off. I, I remember one video got like 7,000 views in a day, and I just could not believe that that many people were watching it. And prior to the A-Rod thing, my videos would get a few hundred views, maybe a few thousand views, but suddenly they're getting thousands of views in a day. And I realized 
you know, if I really devote myself to this, and that was around the same time that a friend of mine suggested that I monetize my channel. Sure. So yeah, I, I finally made it a money-making thing, but I had 2000 subscribers at the start of the 2016 season and I didn't get a ton of views, but I was still paying a videographer and I was paying for his travel and my travel. So I was investing money and dipping into my savings, but not really getting much of a return. But that's really when I knew I was like, I think the numbers are going to be there. If I really do this and do it well, if I don't know how long, a few seasons, maybe I, you know, I just kind of knew that it would take off, but I think it's still even taken off way more than I thought at that time. So that was really the start of it. 2016 was my first big year on YouTube, but 2017 is when I really started doing it full time. Yeah. Yeah. It's when you reached your peak. Um, and that's awesome. That's so great to hear. Thanks. But, so, you know, talk about that. A, a lot of fans who know of Zach Hample, but aren't really followers. Talk to us about your history working in baseball. And what was that like? Well, I've always just been insanely obsessed with baseball since I was a little kid. And I think I scared my parents when I was like 10 or 11, because I said that, you know, I'd rather, you know, clean a bathroom in the upper deck at a major league stadium than be a lawyer or a doctor. Like, I just wanted to be in baseball. And I've had a lot of baseball jobs over the years. I've worked as a baseball instructor. Like I said, I've uh, written for minorleaguebaseball.com. I've been a freelance writer, written three books. Uh, and, and the YouTube thing and just sort of odd jobs and, and things thrown in there. So I found a way to, to make baseball my full-time thing. And, and I love that I don't have to work for anybody else. And sure, it would be great if MLB hired me to be like the, the, the dean of fun for the league, like how to make things even more fun and draw more kids to the sport and make it more interactive and bridge that gap between the players and the fans. Like I could do wonders for the game. I really think so. But it's nice just doing my own thing because I don't have any deadlines. I don't have any editors telling me what to include or what to leave out. And I work with sponsors sometimes, so I need to do stuff for them. But I control everything creatively and there's something very special about that. Of course, when you work for yourself, I think that's sometimes when you work the hardest and I go hard for seven months of the year. So that's how things have changed for me is I, I kind of do nothing but baseball seven solid months. I mean, there's truly not a free moment for me for the entire season. Uh, if I'm not working on something, I'm guilty that I'm not working on it. Even right now chatting with you, I'm four videos behind on my YouTube channel. So I'm going to be jumping back into the editing and working on that stuff. But it's just elevated my profile uh, in the sports world, in the baseball world and at stadiums. And I just feel like there are always a zillion eyeballs on me for better or worse. And I mean, I would say it, it really is for the better because I have nothing to hide. There's a lot of people out there who think I'm the worst person ever. They've clearly never watched a single video of mine or met me in person. They yeah. saw some misinformation that, you know, some tabloid or troll put out on Twitter about how I knock kids down. And then they believe that is truth, but nothing could be further from the truth. So, I, you know, I just, I have to be more careful about what I do and say, because everything gets 
amplified and can taken out of context on social media. So I, I do find myself being intentionally boring on Twitter. You know, I don't want anybody to try to cancel me because I say the wrong thing, but you know, it's great. Um, I, I love interacting with fans. I love people in general. So it's just really cool to have so many people come up to me at games with nothing but nice things to say. Yeah. I mean, you're an awesome guy with an incredible passion for the game. And I think that's part of what makes it fun to watch is that you're so genuine and you are an everyday baseball fan living the dream of so many others out there and they're looking on in awe and you being able to live out, live forth their dream. That's fantastic. And I think you give a lot of people hope similar to our movie site out there and inspire people to, you know, go to a game, try and get a, a home run ball, try and get a record ball, um, you know, and that that's pretty special. But in terms of connecting with fans, it, are there particular moments? And I know this is a difficult question to answer, but are there any highlight moments for you uh, with interacting with fans or hearing stories throughout the years that just stick out in your head right now? I've gotten a lot of messages over the years. You know, I, I get emails that are hard to keep up with. I get, I mean, probably easily hundreds, maybe thousands of YouTube comments a day. When you think about how many hundreds of videos I have on my channel and anybody can be commenting on any of them and social media. So I can't respond to everybody, but for the first time this year, I'm, I'm trying to read all my DMS on Insta. I can easily get more than a hundred a day. Um, and there's just so many people who are reaching out, whether it's Insta or YouTube or emails telling me how much joy my videos have brought them. Fathers and sons have connected and they're now planning road trips because they've been inspired by my videos and, and it's improved their relationships. I hear from people whose mental health is suffering, but my videos really give them something to look forward to. I've heard from people who are physically disabled and cannot travel or run around stadiums, but they live vicariously through me and they get to see all the nooks and crannies in different stadiums that they wouldn't be able to go to. Other people, they perhaps can't afford to travel to all these places or they don't have the free time because of their jobs. So, you know, I, I truly respect that. And I'm so honored to be in this position where like I'm the guy that, get, that gets to go around and do it. And it is, to be clear, a ton of work. Um, you know, I, I was just in the Bay Area for six days. There was one day that I didn't go to a game but I wasn't meeting with friends for meals. I did not take a tour of Alcatraz. You know, I even thought maybe I'll go to a San Jose Giants game. And I was like, no, I need to spend my day off editing video. I worked on three different videos with different editors. I did one myself. So it's like, it truly is a grind, but I'm also very lucky to be in this position. And, you know, I, I want to not be a, a jerk about it and stay humble, but I also realize how cool it is. and just the positive, the positivity that I get from people online and in person, Twitter aside, like Twitter is just like, you know, the armpit of the internet. Um, and it's just like a contest to see who can be the most obnoxious. But when people interact directly with me, it is overwhelmingly positive. And 
that inspires me and motivates me to keep going out there and doing videos and documenting my adventures. And I try to be generous with giving baseballs away. I've raised a ton of money through my collection for children's baseball charity over the years. So yeah, just trying to give something back to the baseball world and show people how they can have fun and, you know, what's not to love about it. So that's, that's the position that I'm in right now, always scrambling for free time, but truly loving every moment of it. That's awesome. Yeah. On your page, um, you have a Carlos Rodon autographed ball as well, uh, that fans can win. So, you know, we'll, we'll kind of real quick jump in the middle here. Where can fans follow you, Zach? As long as they know how to spell my name, I'm very easy to find. So Z-A-C-K and then Hample, the last name H-A-M-P-L-E. I believe I'm the only Zach Hample in the world. I think that if you Google Zach Baseball, I'm the first one that pops up. At least I was. Even ahead of Zach Greinke. So take that. So, yeah, I'm easy to find. (laughs) That is impressive. You know. I have people, I mean, that might be the case just because, you know, Google knows who I am. So they're showing me first, but I think I've even tried it on some random computers where they wouldn't know me. It'll be a good experiment for people. Google Zach baseball and see who comes up first. But, you know, I have people coming up to me at stadiums and they're like, oh my God, you're the TikTok guy. And I'm like, well, (laughs) yes, I do a lot of TikTok stuff, but I'm more the YouTube guy. YouTube is really my biggest platform and where I devote the most time. And that's really the best content. I do a video from each game I go to, which probably average 15 minutes or more. So I would suggest that people start there, but I'm on Twitter, Insta, TikTok. Um, ZachHample.com is my website. So yeah, there's, there's just a ton of content. I mean, I've written millions of words, literally millions of words on my blog over the years, I'm not active on it anymore, but it's all archived. So search my name in the word blog, you'll find it. There's a, I mean, but all the videos and, and the books and the blogs, you could spend a solid month of your life reading and watching everything. I really think so. And it's worth it too. For sure. 100%. Dreamers <laughs> follow Zach Hample, uh, Insta, TikTok, YouTube, definitely check out his YouTube videos. I love your videos, Zach. Awesome. Um, I want to take this and, and kind of change it now. Cause this is a field of dreams podcast. Change it, do it. Let's Take do it, it any direction you want. I'm here for you. Let's, let's just okay. go with it. Go let's with change it. So you and I, and our social media coordinator, Tucker LaBelle first got introduced to you from Sean Anderson with Hall of Very Good. Shout mm, out. Yes. Sean, shout out boy. Hopefully you're doing well. Um, and yeah, That's that was John. a year ago and we got you on like on the pod. Uh, and actually it was a live podcast on Instagram at the time. And we had you on, on a Friday night in the middle of a youth baseball tournament. And you were at, uh, at a Mets game. And, uh, I remember that so vividly and, um, you were there watching the ground pitch and it was just fantastic. So to see the fan support and everything was great, but, um, to see you in the moment live to interacting with it and actually, being able to talk to you and not see you through a video, but actually like watch a live video, but be interacting with you at that time was awesome. And we got to see it again. I got a picture with you at the field of dreams movie site for the MLB game. And you had joked around about tickets and by golly, uh, you, you found your way into the game. So how was that experience for you? What are some key highlights and takeaways from that night? And uh, most importantly, tell the fans out there, did you get any, any baseballs? That was truly 
a magical experience. I think I may have even titled my YouTube video as such. Mm-hmm. You know, Field of Dreams is my favorite baseball movie of all time. And it's one of my favorite movies, period, just of any genre. I love movies that bend reality. And that sure as hell did it. So to, to take the fantasy of the movie but turn it into the reality of actually being there and seeing the physical site did something weird to my brain and my senses. And it, it truly did give me chills multiple times throughout the day. And of course, to see the players walking out of the corn and Kevin Costner being there, it, it was so lovely and beautiful and mystical almost. And I'm so glad I was able to do a video. It was tough to catch baseballs because there's no seating in fair territory, but baseballs were landing in the corn. And although I did not personally get any baseballs in the corn, I know that there were fans crawling around there, getting all muddy, finding some balls. Uh, I did venture in there for like a minute or two during BP, but then I thought, well, I don't know if I, if I really should be doing that, you know, in the days before YouTube and the days before my blog, I pulled all kinds of shenanigans at games. And, you know, you'd try to, you see a ball land in a restricted area and there aren't 18,000 cameras and social media. It's like, maybe you're going to climb over a little, you know, chain and pick up that ball. But now that everybody knows who I am and I've worked directly with MLB and a lot of teams, I feel like I have to be more careful about breaking rules or even bending rules. So, I didn't want to mess around in the corn too much, but I just had to go in there for a moment to see what it was like. So I got three baseballs that day, which is respectable. You know, it's not a humongous total. I I often try to go for double digits when I'm at games, but um, the setup for catching balls was tough. But I mean, just the setup for my, my heart was amazing. And yeah, it's a really cool video. Again, just search my name and Field of Dreams on YouTube and you'll find it and really get an idea of what it was like to be there. And I I would recommend that game to absolutely everybody out there. If you can go, go. Save your money, get time off from work, whatever it takes, find a way to get out there. That's right. Dreamers, MLB at Field of Dreams 2 uh, is coming to Iowa, August 11th, Thursday, and it's the Cubs and Reds. And the reason that that's relevant is because the Reds played the Chicago White Sox during the Black Sox scandal of 1919 in the World Series and won. So fun fact for you. So everything, that is a fun fact. yeah, everything that MLB does with this game is uh, for a reason and very well thought out. Um, and I, <laughs> on my phone here on the side of my computer, I'm just, I have that video playing of you at the field and it's awesome. Um, so definitely, well, yep. I, I see you just caught one of the three. Um, so that's cool. 793,000 views on that eight months ago, go ahead and check it out. Magical experience at the MLB field of dreams game in Iowa is the title, but of course, just look up your boy, Zach Hample, and uh, look at all of his great content. But specifically, we're biased. We like this one the best. Yeah, check out that one. And that, that video is definitely going to get a million views. So you guys can help get it there even quicker. I think that video is going to take off this summer when the game is approaching and everybody's searching it. But yeah. I agree. I agree. It'll, be, um, it'll have a new life here coming August. But hopefully... 
there's going to be another video potentially of Zach Hample at the Field of Dreams movie site for a 2022 game. You never know. You never know. I my schedule is such a mess this year. I've I've booked two different flights this year within 24 hours of takeoff, which costs a lot more money. But it's you know, it's like, well, I want to fly to Chicago when the Royals are there to try to catch Bobby Witt Jr.'s first home run. But I don't want to book the trip unless I know that he hasn't hit a home run. So it's like, well, he's playing two days before I'd have to fly. It's it's been crazy. So we'll see how this summer shakes out. But I'm still trying to figure out the end of May and June at this point. So yeah, it's been, that's been one of the biggest challenges is scheduling. So, I mean, talk about that because you have a lot of, I mean, your life now and your living is your content and you had made that change, you know, 2016, 2017 and became the sensation that you are on YouTube. But how did you overcome the obstacles that the pandemic brought? Everyone, everyone went through it. Everyone experienced it. But for you, what were some specific challenges and how did you innovate and be able to still, you know, survive through that um, and, and make a living through that? So I still went to some games in 2020 because there were stadiums where you could still catch baseballs outside the stadium. And I wasn't going to get shut out for the season, even though fans weren't allowed. So I remember my first road trip was up to Fenway Park. And actually, I had a TV crew from HBO Real Sports. They were doing their thing on me. I was also doing my own thing for YouTube. And I got some baseballs out behind the Green Monster on the the roof of what is normally a parking garage. But during the pandemic, it was converted to a little open air bar lounge restaurant thing. So there were baseballs to be snagged. I got a couple outside of Gannett City Field. Um, I went to Buffalo when the Blue Jays were playing there, got baseballs, even got one outside of Nationals Park in DC, went to Philly. There was like the whole pandemic crew was uh, outside the stadium with their air horns and ladders looking over a fence at the field. And to the Phillies credit, The staff was cool with fans, you know, being right up on the fence, making noise, cheering, watching. I mean, they could have easily just put up, you know, like some sort of obstacle, like, you know, a mesh cloth fence that people couldn't see through. But they were like, no, do it. So that was great. I was I was there for a day. So I was still putting out videos and even random stuff, Q&A videos and other things. Eventually, though, it came to the point where I realized that, that I might be facing a potential burnout situation if I didn't take some time off myself. Mm. So, you know, I, I, I was able to take a nice break from it. I mean, it it was definitely relaxing in a way to not be traveling pretty much nonstop, which is not to say that like, Oh, I'm glad the pandemic happened. Absolutely not. But there came a point when I realized, you know what, there's a silver lining for me personally. And again, I I acknowledge the pain and suffering that a lot of people were feeling, but just talking about myself, I was able to use it as somewhat of a, like a reset button and take some much needed time off, which I didn't even realize I needed until I was kind of forced to. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of lost myself in some personal projects and archiving and scanning a ton of old family papers and photos and organizing all of that and converting old 
home videos to digital and just, yeah, I was uh, living with my lady friend at the time for a bit. And it was, it was actually nice in a way to unplug from the baseball world. So that's, that's how I did it. I was still going hard for a bit, but then also appreciated the time off. And, you know, last year, 2021, came back refreshed, went to 101 games. This season, I've already been to eight different stadiums and over 20 games. So yeah, I'm, I'm back at it. I certainly made a lot less money in 2020 than I would have. And my YouTube numbers did not grow like they would have projected to grow. Like everything was down. Everybody suffered everywhere pretty much. Right. So it hit me, but you know, I got through it. Yeah. But like you said, it was the reboot that you needed. It was that time off. In a strange way. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I try to find the good and the positive in everything. And I try to not get stressed over things that I can't control. And it's easier said than done, but I, I am actually good at that. And so it's like, okay, well, here's this thing that's just changed life and it sucks, but now let's make the best of it. So that was my approach. Um, and, you know, here I am stronger for it, I guess, you know, I, it, I avoided getting COVID for two years, but finally got it. Thankfully didn't get too sick. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm back at it, enjoying a big full season of action in 2022. That's awesome. My friend. That's awesome. So when we talk about that, um, you have <clears throat> more great content and it's Zach Hample versus the world. Tell us about that documentary, um, you know, how it came about. I mean, you, you're everywhere, but how did that in particular come about and how can fans watch it? So a number of years ago, MLB released a 13 minute film called Zach Hample versus the world. But what has come out recently, just at the start of this baseball season, is a 95 minute version of that film. So. You know, one thing that's bugged me a lot about interviews over the years, and it's not bugging me at all about this because we're spending a lot of time and actually going into details about things and not everything has to be a soundbite to fit in between commercial breaks, yeah. but interviews and videos, they're always so quick, but having a 95 minute film about myself, is it just goes into such details about my weird life and all the baseball shenanigans and, and covers all different angles and aspects that have never been talked about or shown before. It's a very personal film and really goes into the behind the scenes of who I am and how I came to be, I guess, this weirdo in the baseball world. The film was not even my idea. I met a dude randomly in 2008 in Philadelphia who'd been reading my blog and had a copy of my first book. And it was his first time trying to catch baseballs. And there I was at that game, hundred miles from home with my mom. He introduced himself. He said he was an aspiring filmmaker, wanted to do something on me someday. And of course I was very nice to him, but in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, buddy, like sure thing. Just let me know because so many people have wanted to do things and it more often than not falls through or just falls apart. But I kept in touch with this guy. He was very nice. And in 2014, when he had in fact become a real filmmaker, he interviewed me and started to put this thing together. And we both weren't sure what it was gonna be, but then the year after I snagged the A-Rod ball 
And that's when he realized like, oh my God, I think this whole thing that we're filming just needs to be about you. So the film started taking shape and it's out there in the world. It, it does cost a few dollars to rent it. So, you know, as I've been telling some people when I run into them at stadiums, if you get extra bored one night and you think I'm worth it, you know, throw it on. It's really a cool film. Um, it may get picked up by a streaming service. I'm not really supposed to say anything about that for right now, but for right okay. now, um, you know, you, it, it, it does cost a few dollars to rent it. Um, and a portion of the proceeds I should mention yeah. are going to my favorite children's baseball charity. It's called pitch in for baseball and softball. That's the charity that received $150,000 from the Yankees as a thank you to me when I got A-Rod's 3,000th hit and gave the ball to A-Rod. So it was like this whole triangle of giving and donating. So I've been working with this charity for years and years. They basically help kids play ball and uh, a portion of the proceeds from the film will be going to that charity. So a little extra motivation to watch it. Um, yeah, it's on Amazon, it's on Apple TV, it's on Vimeo, it's on Vudu, the Microsoft Xbox store, store. Even YouTube itself, I think you can pull it up and then pay to stream it there. So just search it up and uh, I'm, I can pretty much guarantee that you'll love it. So, yeah. That is awesome. Dreamers, this is the Bringing It Home show with Zach Hample. Zach, how many games have you been to this year so far? Uh, I'd have to pull up my stats, but I think I've been to 21 games. I think that's right because I was just noticing in my stats that I keep that uh, I've, I've seen batting practice half the number of times that I have not seen batting practice this year. I think, I think I've only seen BP seven times and I've been to 14 games without batting practice a combination of bad weather, but also I have chosen a lot of day games knowing that there would not be batting practice just because I still wanted to be there. So I, I think 21 games, I've gotten over 70 balls, I think maybe close to 80. No home runs yet this year, which is a bummer, but I've gotten three foul balls during games, got some nice autographs. Um, yeah, finally made it back to the Bay Area after four years. You know, I have people saying, how come you haven't been to Toronto since 2019? Or how come you haven't been? It's like, well, guys, there was this pandemic, you see, that kind of threw everything off for a while. So I'm trying to get back to the places I haven't been to in, in a bit. But uh, yeah, I don't think I'll make it to all 30 stadiums this year. I could if I wanted to. I mean, if there were 50 stadiums and I wanted to go to them all, I would. But it's almost not worth killing myself to, to travel that much. Uh, but I'll probably go to at least 20 different stadiums this year. So keep your eyes out, folks. You might see me at your local ballpark. You never know. You never know. How many unique major league ballparks have you been to? And special event ballparks as well. So the, the MLB park here at the Field of Dreams can count. I mean, no. you better believe that it counts. The wins and losses counted for the teams. 100%. You know, when Tim Anderson hit that walk-off, you think he wanted saying anyone saying like, sorry, that, that doesn't count. So <laughs> yeah, the stadium counts on my list and the balls that I snagged, those count toward my grand total. Good. Uh, that grand total is more than 11,000. I might even snag my 12,000th baseball this year. If I continue going to a lot of games and keep up 
a reasonable pace of catching balls. I think I could get to 12K. But as for your question of how many different stadiums I've been to, the answer is 61. And uh, Field of Dreams was number 61. My goodness. My goodness. Yeah. In fact, so the, the MLB passport book out there. So uh, the diehard fans know you can find it at any major league stadium. We're actually featured in that book as a, as a ballpark. At the That's very- awesome. Yeah. As you should be. But yeah, yeah I, I remember before I was really traveling around that much to different stadiums, like I, I had been to a whole bunch of the now defunct stadiums. Like 1998 was my first big year of traveling solo. And I went to old tiger stadium and I went to the reds old ballpark. It was called synergy field at the time and three rivers in Pittsburgh and, you know, County stadium in Milwaukee. Like I went to all those and I, I counted those, but I never thought of going to the, the one-off venues until I think I was watching sports center one night. And I think it was Sammy Sosa who hit a home run in one of these sort of oddball stadiums where there was a regular season game. And I remember them saying like, oh, that's the 38th different major league stadium where Sammy Sosa has hit a home run. Maybe I'm making up the number and maybe it wasn't Sosa. It could have been, who knows, Raphael Palmer. I think it was Sammy Sosa, but yeah. something went off in my brain and I was like, wait a minute, that counts, that counts. And so ever <laughs> since then, I've made a point of going to every regular season game if it's in a different stadium. So I think the first big one. Well, I remember going to champion stadium, I think in 2008, it was, uh, at the worldwide something sports complex. It's where the Braves had their spring training facility, basically, but the Rays and Jays played a three game series there during the regular season. So I went to that. I went to Puerto Rico to head on Beethorn stadium in 2010 for the Mets and Marlins I actually caught John Carlo Stanton's second career home run, which it had been his first back when he was named Mike Stanton. And then he changed his name. Yeah. Tokyo dome in 2012, Sydney cricket ground in 2014 and so on. I went to Monterey, Mexico in 2018 for the Padres and Dodgers saw a combined no hitter there. Uh, you know, the London series, I went to that when the Jays played in Buffalo and then in Dunedin in the regular season, those count on my stadium totals list. And of course, yeah. field of dreams. So I heard well, that in 2025, MLB is going to play a game in Paris. So yeah, so I'm a hundred percent going to be there and yeah. add that to you know, Williamsport. So, we at yeah. the uh, Williamsport game. One of them. So Williamsport, I went there. What year was it? It was, I want to say it's so weird. Like the, the passing of time, everything has gotten distorted with the pandemic. I feel like it was 2019 that I went there and I did not get a ticket, but I stayed outside the stadium and there's a grassy berm down the left field foul line where you can see the field. And unfortunately it rained that day. So there was no batting practice, but some of the players were out there warming up and I got a couple of baseballs thrown from the field out of the stadium onto that hill. So I saw some of the game, I snagged baseballs, and I added that to my stadium's list. Some people might argue like, well, you weren't inside the stadium, but it's like, well, those baseballs didn't just materialize out of nowhere. Like they came from that stadium. So it's legit. Yeah. I would love to go 
to that game and attend for real. Um, I contacted the Little League folks and I'm like, hey, my name is Zach Hample. I'm a YouTuber. I have a big following this and that. Like, can you hook up tickets and can I come do a video? And they're like, no, we can't give you tickets. And no, you cannot do a video. Like, and it's just like, what? Like, I think you're completely missing the point. So I'm going to work on that again. It would be great to attend. I heard that last year, I think it was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I know some friends who go to the little league classic every year and hang out outside on that berm. Yeah. They said that one year, and I think it was last year at some point during the game, because attendance was so low, some official came out and handed tickets to everybody and welcomed them inside the stadium. So I wish I'd been there for that. Yeah. Um, but I will, I will try to get into that stadium at some point, as long as I can do it within the rules and the bounds of what's acceptable. Uh, so that's, that's on my to-do list. I mean, I, the people, I know that people would love to see that stadium and I can shine a positive light on it, just like I did field of dreams. So you know, I'd love to attend the Little League World Series. I mean, can you imagine me out on the berm behind left field at a Little League World Series game trying to catch balls? Like, that would just be mayhem. So I'd love to do that for a video. And Surrounded hope- by kids everywhere trying to fight for ball. I can see the YouTube video now. In fact, <laughs> in my head. So you, you know what? You're just going to have to go back every year, hope attendance is low, and that same usher comes out with tickets. You know, right. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to root for the, for the sport to fail and to have low attendance, but you know, if something positive can come out of a negative, sure. But uh, yeah, I just, I want to capture the moment. I want to share it with people. I want to show how fun it can be. Sometimes things aren't fun. Sometimes something bad happens, whether it's an injury or, you know, occasionally security gives me a hard time. Like the Dodgers at Dodger stadium last year, they got upset at me because too many people were approaching me and asking for autographs and selfies. And Dodgers security was like, next time you plan something like this, you have to go through the team. And I was like, I didn't plan it. I just showed up and these people spotted me and wanted to hang out. So that was kind of an unfortunate situation, but I showed that in the video. So it's like the good, the bad, the ugly, but it's mostly good. And that's really what I'm there for. So, you know, if the Little League folks are watching slash listening to this interview, you know, come on guys, let's, let's collab and do something cool and shine a positive light on your events. So that's what I'm all about. So I love that. And I really hope Zach, that we do see you here later this year, again, for MLB at field of dreams uh, and that game with the reds and Cubs should be a fun one. Uh, Even though the teams right now are respectively struggling, we'll see if it gets a little competitive. We'll see. It'll be a fun matchup because those two teams always play each other very, very hard. Yeah. And you know what? For myself, not actually having a favorite team, which I know a lot of people can't wrap their heads around. They're like, come on, just when are you finally going to admit that you're a Yankee fan? And I'm like, just because I go there a lot, you assume that I'm rooting for them. I mean, sometimes I do. I love some of their players, but I truly, really don't have a favorite team, which allows me to enjoy any game against any opponent at any stadium. And I'm all about the sport and the individual players. And I like the venues and I like catching balls, getting autographs, eating the weirdest, most unhealthy food possible. And then I have to undo all of that damage in the off season, but I can go and have fun at any game. So again, I get comments from people all the time about all sorts of things. And people are always like, Oh, like, 
you got to come through Milwaukee. Like the team's playing great right now. Or like, come to San Diego. Like, you know, we're kicking the Dodgers ass or like, you know, Houston is on fire. Got to like come to Houston, Zach. They're hitting lots of home runs. And it's like, guys, you're completely missing the point. I want to go and see the bad teams because there are fewer fans there. And if there are fewer fans, there are more empty seats and I can roam more easily and catch more baseballs. And then the videos are, are more exciting. Like people don't watch my videos to see what happens in the game, really. Like just put on the MLB network if you want to see the, yeah. the two best teams playing. I or go there to SPN capture highlights. Like, yeah, I go there to capture my own adventures and, and the weirdness. And, you know, the more balls I catch, the better. And the, the lower the attendance is, as a general rule, the more that's going to happen. So I seek out the teams that are not doing well. Now, I would assume that the Field of Dreams game, even if you have the two worst teams in MLB, is still going to be sold out because it's just, it's such a cool thing. And it's, it's, it's a rarity. It's one game per year. I mean, at the time, I think when last year's game happened, maybe it was slightly before, but no one even knew if it would just be a one-time thing. And then I think word started spreading that it was going to happen again, but yeah. So Reds and Thank Cubs, they can Ross. Cause oh, the did, he, before, did he spill it the day before the game? He spilled it in a press conference after <laughs> the game. And it, I see it on Twitter. Cause I was following it the night before the game. And uh, I, I texted my dad. I said, Hey, the Cubs are coming to the field of dreams per David Ross. And uh, it was funny because they came out during the broadcast and commissioner Manfred had committed to, to coming at that time. No one knew who it was, but since David had already announced that the Cubs were going to be in the game, uh, people kind of connected the dots. <laughs> mm. Wow. Well, there you have it. But I was, I was just going to say, you know, the Cubs and Reds could each have a 300 winning percentage and it doesn't matter. It's still going to be an amazing time. So yeah, that's, that's the beauty of baseball. It's, I, I mean, I think it's fun no matter who's playing. I understand if you're diehard for a certain team and you feel like they have no chance, that's a bummer, but I just think it's such a beautiful sport regardless. Yeah. I mean, it's all about the memories, right? And you can have these amazing memories at any game and anything can happen at any game, regardless of whether they're in a pennant race or not. And I think that's the beauty of it is that it's a game for the underdog and, and it's a game of timing and injuries. And if you can, you know, last that test of time, I think, you know, you're going to bold well in the off season, but anything, literally anything can happen. So that's why I love the game. It's so unpredictable and uh, magical moments can happen at any game at any time. So pretty neat. Well said. Thank well you. said. So for you, I have to ask this because that was awesome getting in your head because you're right. I mean, I'm sure everyone's like, hey, come out to Wrigley. The Cubs are on a winning streak. You got to get out to, to Chicago and catch Cubs game. But just using them as an, an example, because we or, or come to come to Fenway Park on July 4th or whatever, because like the Yankees are going to be there like that is the last game that I would choose. Like it's going to be packed and insane. Yeah. Like I don't, yeah, I, I see the Yankees enough at home and it's crazy. I don't need to go somewhere else and have the craziness follow me, you know? So it's a science. And I mean, it, it there's an art form to it. I mean, you don't have over 11,000 baseballs by just pure happenstance. It doesn't happen like that. So for you, 
are there particular ballparks that you have found more favorable that you attend more games at in an attempt to increase your collection? For sure. I do prefer to go to the places with smaller attendance. However, there is a very this year. Pardon? Go to Oakland this year. Well, I was just there, but I was there on a weekend with Trout and Otani in the house. Oh. So there were nearly 14,000 fans on the Friday night game. Batting practice was very crowded. I didn't catch a single home run in BP. So it kind of ruined the whole point of going to Oakland. Also, the outfield configuration there is terrible. The bleachers are elevated way above the field and set back. So a lot of home runs clear the outfield wall, but fall short of the stands and just land in no man's land. And the athletics are one of a number of teams on board with this really horrendous trend of opening their stadiums late. During the week, Monday through Thursday, gates open 60 minutes before first pitch in Oakland. So if you're a fan, you get to see zero minutes of batting practice. And then Friday through Sunday, they open 90 minutes early. So you get to see a little, probably if it's a day game on a Saturday and Sunday, they won't even hit. But a Friday night, you'll see maybe half an hour of BP. So everybody's like, go to Oakland, Zach. Like you're going to catch so many balls. No, you won't because they open late and the outfield configuration is horrible. So it's more than just a numbers game. You have to look at the architecture of the stadium, figure out the rules, when they open, Camden Yards in Baltimore used to be my favorite place. They used to open two hours early. In fact, they even opened extra early for season ticket holders, but they've just ruined the incentive of being a season ticket holder because everybody gets in 60 minutes early every day. So you can't see any batting practice there. And they ruined left field by taking out a chunk of seats. You can hit a 400 foot fly ball to straightaway left field and it's not a home run. So I have really no interest in going to Baltimore this year. Might go when Adley Rushman makes his debut. I'll probably go at least once regardless because it's close enough to where I live in New York. But a great stadium can become bad with a slight rule change and a slight configuration change in the outfield. Or not slight, it's a pretty big change. So Cincinnati right now is great for sheer numbers. Dodger Stadium. They let their season ticket holders in three hours before first pitch. They know how to treat people there. So, awesome. you know, uh, the answer to best place to catch a baseball can change from year to year. Sure. And I hope that teams get their act together and start opening the gates earlier. And uh, because it's all about the fans and helping people connect, especially kids. You want to grow the game, help kids connect to it. And if you keep people out, you know, for all of batting practice and you can't see the stars warm up, the Yankees. They have more money than God and they have more fans than anybody. They only open 90 minutes early, by which time the visiting team is already on the field. They have Aaron Judge who hits the ball farther than anybody. And John Carlos Stanton and Joey Gallo, three monsters Mm -hmm. who mash the ball. They don't even open the stadium early enough for people to see them. It's outrageous. And I'm dumping my season ticket as a result. It's it's bad. Yeah. So that's not how to treat people. That is crazy. That is crazy. I saw that uh, you caught a ball during Miggy's 3000 hit game, but it wasn't his, it wasn't the career setting hit, but uh, I would have had to run out onto the field to catch that one. Yeah, well, exactly. I would have been extremely impressed and uh, (laughs) yeah, I would have gotten some, some laughs from that video, but um, 
yeah, it's cool on your GoPro. I mean, it's incredible to see those because it's like a needle in a haystack. I'm sure with all the content that you get, like it's hard to catch that stuff on film. So you're you're literally, you know, after watching all the content and everything, you are pretty much a one-man camera crew out there, right? In, in terms of, uh, do you have someone following you for all this content? I mean, a majority of the time, is it just you? The majority of the time I am with a videographer, there is a gentleman named Chris, who we nicknamed Fenway Chris, because Fenway was the first time that we met each other in person. And he's my main video guy. So my preference is to have him with me all the time. But occasionally, you know, if you can believe it, he has a life outside of me and baseball. Sometimes he has his own plans. And if I still need to go to a game, like my recent Chicago trip when I was trying to catch Bobby Witt's first home run, I had to plan that trip at the last second and he wasn't free. So I actually brought someone else. But sometimes, like the Detroit trip, I was selfieing it with my iPhone and GoPro. Would have been great if Chris or someone had been there with me, but that just can't always work out logistically. So sure. I usually have someone filming and then I edit some of the videos. I'm also working with a couple of different editors. So it's it's a team effort, but I do a lot of it myself. Yeah. Uh, and that's it's one of the challenges, but it's a fun challenge. I, I love a creative challenge. I love storytelling. And you'd think it's easy enough. You just like, you know, chop up the clips and post a video, but there's a lot of creative choices that need to be made in the editing process. And uh, it's, it's fun to do that. I've gotten a lot better at it. I'm sure I still have plenty to learn, but I spend more time editing video than I even do at stadiums. Just let that sink in for a moment. Crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's, it's for the love of the game, man. Um, so, you know, going back to the field of dreams and again, the bringing it home show Roman Weinberg with Zach Hampel. Thanks for joining the show, Zach. Um, really? When we talk field of dreams, you know, why is that? Why is the movie so special to you? you? You say it's your favorite baseball movie, but are there moments of, you know, watching it at home? Did you watch it with your parents? You know, what, what's your connection to the film and does it inspire you still to go out there every day and do what you do? I mean, it's a, it's a love story. It's, it's a father and son story. It's, it's like connecting generations. It's, it's sort of weaving time together. And there's just some massive themes that are so integral to the human existence, I feel like. Um, and probably the first time that I watched it as a kid, I didn't really pick up on all of that, but it's still, it was still so meaningful even when I was young. And yeah, I mean, it's hard to watch that movie and not shed a tear, right? Like, oh, it's, it's awfully dusty in here. It's funny, it's moving. I mean, the baseball stuff itself is just so cool and the bending of reality, like I mentioned earlier. So, I mean, there's, there's not a moment in that movie that I don't like, there's not, a, there's not a wasted second anywhere. It's just, it's perfectly cast and crafted. And yeah, it's a very quotable movie as well. Uh, Fenway Chris, my video guy, that's his favorite movie. And he knows it inside and out. And he's always dropping references and quotes. And 
you know, and whenever I would get along really well. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, the whole like, you know, whenever Target Field comes up in conversation, he's always like, we're going to Minnesota. Like, I mean, it's just there's never a moment when he's not quoting something from that film. So I love that. Yeah, it's just it's it's a classic. I mean, in in 500 years, people will still be watching that movie. Yeah. 33 years later. And last year we had over 225,000 visitors to the site. Bar none, the highest annual traffic since the site's inception. That's just a testament to everything it means to everyone. And the fact, the beauty of it is, and it's like exactly like the game of baseball, is it's timeless and it's passed down generation to generation. Because fathers that saw it in theaters with their dads and sobbed alongside their dad in the next seat in the theater are now sharing it with their kids and so on and so forth. And it's great to see it you know we'll have multiple generations from one family on the field at once playing catch and that third or fourth generation will just be learning how to walk and walking the bases and then you'll have the eight or nine year olds you know running around the bases as fast as they can with the occasional trip Um, and then you'll have you know the fathers with knee issues (laughs) gingerly walking or running around the bases and then you'll have the grandpas out there that are, are walking at their pace around those base paths. And uh, it's just a beauty to see it because you can have a thousand different people out here, but each for their own reason. And uh, it's, it's beautiful. It's pure. It's just like the game. And uh, it's a pretty cool office that we have here. And I'm really glad that you were able to experience it for yourself last August. Yeah, there was no way that I was going to miss that. And it, it lived up to and exceeded all the hype. Oh my gosh. Um, and yeah, you know, a lot of a, a lot of kids watch my videos. They're they're not made for kids, but I am aware that I do have a, a young audience in large part. Uh, and just talking to people at stadiums about, you know, people come up to me all the time, like I love your videos and this and that. And sometimes they'll tell me what their favorite one is, or I'll ask them. A lot of people were really moved by my Field of Dreams video, and a lot of kids. I would say like, oh, like, you know, well, that part of the movie when this and that, and they're like, I didn't see the movie. And I'm like, what? You saw my video and you like that. You got to watch the movie. So I feel like I was selling the movie to people. And I'm sure that my video inspired people out there, you know, whether it's a handful or dozens or hundreds, I don't know. But I know that at least some people will end up watching the movie because they saw my video first. And then they're like, oh, what's this all about? Let's go to the source. So that's... That's fun to to spread the love that way a little bit. Yeah, no, completely. And and the game itself did that. There were 5.9 million people that watched it. Um, I mean, it's crazy. In 16 seasons, that was the highest regular season uh, viewed game on on television. So, uh, you know, it's it's great to see it. And we're just excited to continue to play host to families from all across the world. Yesterday, we had a family from Australia and Scotland in the same day. So it was, it that's was, cool. Yeah. Do you know how many different countries people have visited from total? Um, in terms of that, you know, we track it on an annual basis. We had over a dozen foreign countries, um, represented last year with 48 of 50 States. Wow. Yeah. Which two States were missing. They need to, they need to get it together. Yeah. 100%. Um, Alaska and Hawaii, or are we not calling anybody out here? 
<laughs> they shall not be named. We will give them a chance to redeem themselves here in 2022. We'll see. Okay, fair enough. One of them was mentioned, however. <laughs> I mean, it's not really shaming them. It could be inspiring. Like, hey, yeah, hey, you can be the first from your state to visit. I mean, you know. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So with that, we're going to end because, Zach, I know you got videos to, to go edit. And this has been so fun talking shop, talking baseball with you. Um, we end this interview the way we do with all of our special guests. And that's asking you to turn your Field of Dreams fan cap on. And in your opinion, what is the most important lesson to take away from the movie Field of Dreams? I think it's when Moonlight Graham steps off the field as a young man and turns into an elderly doctor and gives up his baseball dream because there are things that are more important than baseball and you need to recognize that. That is so unique. And I love asking that question because we can have some repetition, but that was so good because I've not heard that one. That's new. So there you go. There you go. Dreamers, Zach Hample. Thanks for joining the show and uh, good luck on your travels, my friend. Happy editing and uh, talk soon. Thank you so much. This was really fun. And yeah, hopefully see you later this year. TBD. TBD. There you have it, Dreamers. My interview with Zach Hample, the ultimate baseball fan, a.k.a. the ball hawk. So excited to have him on the show. We've been waiting to get him on for a while, so it was great to finally catch up with him and, and have him on the show, talk baseball, talk his fandom, and talk Field of Dreams, of course, as well. Moving forward, uh, next weekend, in fact, we have the start of our youth baseball tournament season here on site. The first weekend, we are holding a tournament for four different age divisions from 11-year-olds to 14-year-olds. Very excited about that. Uh, more than a dozen different countries represented in this tournament. 70 teams equating to about 4,000 people between the players, coaches, and the attendees and spectators. So we're just so excited, beyond excited, for this tournament to host these families here at the Field of Dreams movie site Memorial Day weekend, Saturday the 28th of May through Monday the 30th. And that is just a week away. My goodness. Uh, so exciting for us to be able to start that but we also see it kind of as our uh, responsibility and duty to the baseball community to provide a unique experience for these families and we look forward to doing just that that weekend but also every subsequent weekend thereafter through the end of July. We have 10 youth tournaments and you'll see plenty of coverage on that on our social media accounts. If you don't follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any of the other social platforms out there, please go ahead and do that. TikTok, we have a YouTube channel. Plenty of Field of Dreams movie site content for you to get hooked on, and you'll see Tucker, you'll see myself, you'll see a wonderful crew, but most importantly, you'll see fans. You'll see the dreamers just like yourself, capturing that initial impression of the field, just like you all have felt that have been here in the past. You know it's moving, it moves you. There's something spiritual about the site, and there's just so much emotion that comes with being here and so much peace, so much purity. So all of that going to be captured on the screen and shared with you through many different platforms. A lot of great content coming out. And of course, some great drone footage, some great photos, some great videos. 
guys are going to love it. So stay tuned for that. Plenty more to come. Happy Memorial Day weekend to all of you. Uh, if we don't get on the pod next weekend, Tucker and I plan to, but it may get a little crazy here as we're going to run low on sleep moving forward. But Dreamers, it's for the love of the game. So we love it, and um, it's an honor for us. So we will see you next week or whenever we see you on the pod. Guys, keep dreaming. Keep dreaming.